Welcome to the Estate Professionals Mastermind Podcast. This community is about providing value first, and rather than having one interaction, one transaction, and one payday from the work you do, we're here to teach you to build so much more. Hey, good afternoon. This is Bill Gross, and this is the Probate Mastery Mastermind Call. We get together every Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, and every time before and after, every other time zone. And we get together and talk about all things real estate. And these are this is for people who are actively working with the Probate Mastery Program that's founded by Chad Corbett, probatemastery.com, coaching program, the basics of getting certified as a probate expert. And I think the basics as far as the mindset of being in service to people rather than just selling houses or just flipping houses. And so I'm, I'm Bill Gross. I am an alumnus of the program. I uh, took Chad's program before he founded the company, another company. I retook it here. I also am both a contributor and graduate of his EARN program. And really, I'm just a colleague. I'm just a practitioner of the business. I'm in Los Angeles, California. I use the, my website is thelaprobateexpert.com. I do host my own live stream on Thursdays, probateweekly.com. Love to have you join me there. And I started that because I need that as a practitioner. And then Chad launched this program and has asked me to help fill in from time to time as his guest host. I was off last week for holidays. I'll be off the next two weeks. So High Holiday starts tonight, actually, at sundown. Uh, we have dinner here at my house at, at 5 o'clock. But I love anybody who wants to tell me how they missed me last week, how I'm much better than Chad, better looking, more gracious. Feel free to put that in the chat box. I, I'm starved for your affection and attention. And then I'll be off the next two weeks. So. Um, I wanted to start today just with one thing. I, I was off just on the phone with somebody who I know through this call and similar calls. I don't know that he's on, and uh, unless he, you know he didn't give me permission to talk about it, so I kind of keep it myself. But it was a question he asked you know, that I answered in a Facebook group, and then he called me. We talked about it a little bit, but I want to kind of share not the solution to the problem, but more the mindset. So the question is: in, in California, I think it's true, maybe in other states, but in California, in order to close escrow, when there's a court ordered sale, which is about 10% of them, uh, with limited authority or a court confirmation of sale. Court confirmation of sale that we, that the title company will acquire a certified copy of the court order. So what's really silly, because I think in the 1970s when the law was passed, you know, you would have a court confirmation sale. You go to court and the judge will say out loud that we have a sale here for $400,000. Anybody willing to bid more in California, it's by 5% plus $500. So if it's a $400,000 sale you're confirming, basically he's saying or she's saying, anybody here willing to bid $42,500 or more and have a cashier's check in order to be qualified. And if they do, then there's an auction. If they don't, they confirm the sale. And so the judge will say, confirming the sale, property address, sales price, commissions, terms, and such. And, and so what's created is there's a note in, in, in Los Angeles County called a minute order where the clerk will summarize what the judge says. The attorney is to prepare a court order with all those details. Now, in some regards, it seems kind of odd to require that in this day and age. We have, you know, other ways to record things, but that's how we do it. So the attorney prepares the order and then files it with the court. And then usually within a couple of days, if it's done right, it gets signed. It usually has a couple of errors, goes back and forth, and can take 30 days or so to get a signed order from the judge. In some counties, the, the clerk prepares it. The judge signs it on the spot in San Bernardino. In LA, the, the attorney provides it the next day, and then the, the judge could be on vacation or busy. And like I said, the process takes anywhere from seven to 30 days, depending on the process. 
when you, you find out about it, because online you get a notification that there was a confirmation. There was a, the judge signed the order. But the tow companies, since 1970, they want a certified copy of the judge's order, which is on the website. And you say, for those of us who are here in 2022 with internet access, well, I don't get it. Can't you just go online and verify it? Well, I don't know. The tow companies don't want to have to verify. They want you to give them a, a certified copy. So that said, normally the process is you go to the court. I used to go to court every day. And so I would go downstairs and wait in line. And it cost about 40 bucks to get a certified copy of the documents, about two or three pages. Some attorneys would do it themselves. Some attorneys would use a vendor like the bond service. Some title reps will do it for you. It all depends on who you're using and the circumstances. So when this guy said, well, how do you do it? I said, well, to be honest, I usually do it myself. And, and I, I use a legal service, just like attorneys use services to file documents and research and get documents. I use an attorney service. Normally, attorneys use it. Also, title companies use it. Also, I use it. And so for me, when I have a, a court sale, I just order documents, and they have a runner goes down, pulls the document, stands in line, gets it certified, and sends me the originals, and I have them to give to title. And I tell the attorney I did that. So why do I do that? I, do I have to? No, I could probably get somebody else to do it. Why might, just a real quick question here. Why might I want to do that myself? Anybody want to answer the question? And again, it's not relevant. It was not true in your county. It's the attitude I want you to get, to get straight. Why might I do that? Who wants to offer a solution or a reason why? Providing value to the attorney, right? See, without, I, want the, I want the attorney so dependent on me, they can't imagine getting out of bed without me as their preferred real estate agent on the probate deals. That's the goal. And so I noticed, for example, the attorneys would pick a, a certain bond vendor because they would get those documents. And I'd say, well, I'll do that for you. I was ready at the court. It was no big deal. Now it costs, I don't know, 80 bucks. So let me ask you this. Who has a real estate agent? Is your commission on average more than $80? How many, how many probate listings would you like for a cost of $80 a piece? I'm just curious. My answer is as many as I can get. You can line them up 10 miles long, and I'll find enough people to help me to get every one of them. Anybody here on, up for that game? Yeah. So it's, but here's the thing I want you to hear. It's not the, the form. It's not that certified copy that's the key point. What's the point I'm trying to make? A couple of you have it in the chat box. Be a problem solver. Be the solution. Be the vendor that your attorney, that your client needs to have to get the job done. And you don't want them thinking about how they could do it without you. You want them just to think you're the one to do it. And so it's on you every day. And you want that to be in a relationship, what I would call your language of love, right? My, I'm married 36 years. How in the world did that happen? I have no idea. Don't tell my wife. I, I, I don't think she is aware we're still married. I'm getting away with it. But, but you know, sometimes people do things for you. Like my wife makes coffee. Could I make coffee on my own? I'm not a cook. You know, I can barely make, you know, a cheese sandwich, but I can make coffee. But why does my wife make coffee? And why, when she says, do you want me to make coffee for you? The right answer is always yes. Why is that? That's the language of love in our relationship. In relationships, you know, you want to be the language of love. And when an attorney has a problem, you want to learn how to solve the problem. So they turn to you if you want referrals from them. Or petitioners, families, if they're an executive administrator, you could teach them how to get the form. You can teach them how to get the bond. You can teach them how to get things. Or you can just do it for them and say, well, I'll handle that for you. 
Now, there are laws about not giving legal advice, and we have to follow the law. Don't, don't play with that. Don't cross that line. So I don't cross the line, but I can do things for them legally that aren't giving them legal advice. And so I want to be that solution to all their problems. I want them to think of, all I got to do is I got to call Bill, and either he'll do it or he'll know somebody who'll get it done for us. That's the goal. Okay, I want to share that guy with you guys today because, again, it's not just that you can use a legal service. And, in fact, I'm interviewing my legal service rep on my video, and I'll probably have him come as a guest on my Probate Weekly to share how I use them and what they do, what they don't do, how I pay for it, and so on. And we'll go through all that, and hopefully it's a good tool for you. But more important than the tool is the attitude that if there's a problem, your goal is to figure out how to solve the problem. That's why I created Get probate.cash, probate advances. And if you follow Chad, I think he's right. In many cases, it's frowned on as a tool. It's, it's expensive money for families. It has been misused in the past. But it also is a great tool when you need to advance money to a family who has a property and no money, but they need to get a great attorney to solve the case rather than a lousy attorney. That's why I created it. And I've worked with other vendors. And I've created my own group to get more agents involved with me on that program. So we can bring some buying power to get great service for us rather than just for the customers. So that's what, that's what I have to talk about today. I just wanted to share with you, I think the attitude of be the solution, be the problem. As a real estate agent, I always tell my customers from your front sidewalk to your back fence, all the way down and all the way up, accepting mineral rights and air rights. If you have a problem, I either have the solution or I'll get the solution for you. I either have a guy or I'll get the guy or gal. I mean, so you have a tree that falls down, call me. I'll either have a tree guy or gal or I'll get one for you. I want to be their solution. And with, for referrals with attorneys, same thing. I want to be their solution, all things probate, everything. Larry Smith, hand up. First question of the day. So I'll get you unmuted. And what have we got going on, Larry? Hey, 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 Bill. Thanks for being back. Thanks. We did, we did miss you terribly. Thank you. I need to hear that. Thank you. If we all, if you all can see it, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> very, I couldn't say shy. that with a straight face. Hey, so I'm meeting an attorney tomorrow and I would love to hear your, your best practices, helpful hints, if you will, about the meeting, what you believe the attorney would want to hear and see, if, see what the best practice is for that. So, you know, this is kind of like an area for me, like marriage. I'm really good at telling you what you're supposed to do. I'm not quite as good at doing it every day. Just let's be honest about it, okay? So relationships, you know, take work. They're a marathon, not a sprint. And, and I don't want to pretend that I'm good at it. I will admit I work at it every day hard. And I probably have to work at it harder because I'm not as good at it by nature. So I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to pass myself off as all-knowing and all-seeing. But what I will say is this, I think it's really important that when you want a relationship, you want to be as much like the other person as you can. So, you know, I don't know, you know, where it is where you are, where I am. If I meet an attorney at court, they're in a suit and tie if they're a man, or, or I say similar if you're a woman, whatever that means to you. And, and if I meet them in Los Angeles, downtown area, at a restaurant or bar or coffee place or in Beverly Hills, same thing. If I go in the South Bay, different story, more likely open dress shirt and slacks. So I say dress is an important part. And I would say you want to act like them and your demeanor. And what I don't want to be, I don't want them to think of me as a salesman. I find that attorneys will often tell me they have no respect for our industry at all, that most real estate agents are clowns. Who's, who besides me had that feedback? 
all your real estate agents are clowns. All the real estate, other real estate agents, or all the others, but you are clowns. Who's had that kind of feedback? I have numerous times. So I want to be as different from that person as I can. And one is I never want to ask for referrals. I never want to ask for business. I want them to want to do business with me so bad they offer it up to me. How can we work together? What can we do together? And give them chances to do that. So that's why for me, I use my video interview as a way to get them to talk about their business and start working with me that way. So I'm not going to ask them for anything. I'm going to bring value. I'm going to ask a lot of questions and learn how they do their business and make sure anything that I offer is appropriate for how they do business. You know, I'll give you one example. Some attorneys who do a lot of probate don't ever talk to families. They only get the business referred by an attorney and, and they're very, you know, sp you know, they're very technical in what they do and they have a staff who handles all the customer and they just don't really get involved in that. And so if you come in with a whole, hey, you know, we have all these services we give and, and, and you know, emotional support and all these other things, they're not interested because they don't, they don't touch that. So I would just definitely say, Larry, ask a lot of questions and pay attention. And, you know, I would want to walk away from the meeting with an idea of what can I do to do business with them, but I wouldn't want to ask them that question when I'm with them. The other okay. best practice of any meeting is always a handwritten card. In fact, my coach had taught me, I keep the cards in, I have a little folder with note cards, envelopes, return dress label, and stamps. And literally, I was taught to, when you go to the meeting, when you're done, or a lunch meeting, write out a handwritten card, drop it off in the first mailbox you find, that the power of a, of a handwritten card is just really powerful. So that's my one marketing gimmick, but I would definitely say bring value and a lot of questions and do less talking. One, one visual also on the subject, but I'm summarizing a whole class on earn, but this is an old-fashioned chess clock. If you used to play, I used to play a competitive chess in chess tournaments. In chess, each partner or each competitor gets time on the clock. And when, when you make a move, you push the clock and then your opponent's clock is running. When they make a turn, they push the clock and then your turn is running. And I, I think about this as me talking and them talking. And I want them to talk as much as possible. One of the things I've learned in sales is the more they talk, the smarter they think you are. The more they talk, the smarter they think you are. And that's, that's true in dating. I, I do a lot of coaching for men who are marriage-minded. And my basic rule of them is you have to talk a lot less. Get them to talk more. And the more they talk, you win. Yeah, that's good stuff. I have a follow-up. Estate exec software and probate cash, do you feel like that's too early to talk about? Is it value to them or like kind of let it come naturally or do you want to bring it up? So are you talking to an estate planning attorney specifically or do you not know their particular specialty? They're, they're probate and they do estate planning. My experience is there's probate who do some estate planning and it's basically a template and they have a system and they have a series. And there's people who specialize in estate planning. And I think that, that when you talk to them, I'd ask some questions and get clear on how, where the percentage is of their practice. You obviously want to solve the biggest problem you can. And, and so you're probing to get an idea of what percentage of estate planning is versus probate administration and probate litigation. Okay. But if your sense is they do a lot, if the estate planning is a major focus or, or, or where would you like to get more business? I'd really love to do more estate planning. So talk about, so what are the challenges with it? What's, what's the part that holds you back? What's the part that, you know, and, and if the solution is obvious, you might ask a question, have you looked at software like this? Have you seen something like this? Because there are similar solutions, but here you're offering it for free. So I think that's the distinction. But I would be very hesitant to offer it. I might say, 
something like, you know, I think I might have something for you. I've been working on it for a while. I'd love to maybe get back together again and talk a little bit more. We set an appointment next week, or can I pop by your office next week for coffee and I can have you show you a demonstration of it and, and present it another time. Because I, I think you want, you certainly don't want to just be the doctor who advises surgery at every meeting. And you also want to make sure that they feel that you've taken the time to listen to them and prepare an answer. So I, I would say be very unlikely to bring it up at the first meeting. Mm -hmm. I think that's, but again, the goal is to be in a relationship. So you want to create a second opportunity and third opportunity. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Okay. So again, other questions. So I see a question in the box from Joyce. Let me see if I have any others before that. Yeah. So again, my Zoom is probateweekly.com. One question, how much rank can be increased in LA County at this time? So that's kind of a specific question for LA only. I, I will say, it, you know, it's very technical. There's, there's rules for the state, there's rules for the county, there's rules for the city here in California. There's rules for different types of properties. Some properties are in the, in, in city of LA, we have a rent control ordinance and then other cities have it as well. So it really depends on your property type. It really depends on your, the city that you're in within LA County. And so I would definitely, if you can go online on in YouTube and there are experts in this area, Block, Dennis Block in LA County is one who talks a lot in YouTube uh, for the Apartment Owners Association of America, AOAA, does a great job explaining LA County. I'm, a, I'm interviewing an attorney in Northern California, Daniel Bornstein, who's an expert I think in Northern California, but each county is different, each city is different as well. So again, I, I can say this, if you're not in a rent controlled area, single family homes, for example, there's, there's not rent control, but there's county and state laws that may also apply. So that's the best I can offer on that choice. I wouldn't, again, I would be very careful to advise a client, but I would want to point them to resources that they can get that answer on their own. Because what you don't want to do is advise them and then they, they go off and raise the rent by the amount and find out they're getting sued by the tenant and, and fined and things like that. Challenging time to be a landlord in LA and California as, as a whole. Just poof. I don't know why you'd want to be in that business. I just, I hate to badmouth their industry. I sell houses. I don't really work with buyers buying them as much, but man, tough time to represent investors who want to rent out property. I don't, I just don't, it's not getting any better. It's going to get a lot worse from what I can mm. see. Okay, any other questions? I, again, Probate Mastery in um, Facebook has a great group, about 1,500 members. And I know people post there. And in that group, you'll see a post regarding estateprofessionals.org. Estateprofessionals.org. And that's meant for referrals. And then in Facebook, I have a group called Probate Experts. It's open to anybody, any realtor, investor, probate experts on Facebook. Khalid O, got your hand up. Let's get you unmuted. And what do you got going on? Hey, Bill, how you doing today? Khalid, I'm doing so good, it's not even fair. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed. So I have a, <laughs> don't be embarrassed. That's actually great. You're an inspiration to a lot of people, Thank whether you. you realize it or not. Thank you. I have a general just statement and then a question. So I've been taking the Bill Gross approach and going to court daily. And guess what? It works. Attorneys are literally walking up to me and like, they're doing the same thing. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like literally living your life on the East Coast. Like, so I'm just getting very acquainted with the building. I'm learning, I'm telling telling people, oh yeah, that room, that courtroom's over here. That courtroom's over there. I'm giving people directions. People are walking up to me. I'm meeting people in the, where they're recording, where they have all the data and they just come up to me. They, I'm dressing like an attorney. And I just want to thank you for that. My pleasure. 
I want to say, Khalid, if you go anywhere dressed the way you are right now, you're going to get people's attention. Good looking guy, shirt and tie like that, big smile, you're going to do well. And I think, again, just, just to make sure, it's not like I invented fire or sliced bread, just a rule in life in sales. If you're where the prospects are, you're bound to get some business. It just isn't that complicated. And so I don't want to make it sound like I invented the concept, but, but th- thank you for the feedback and congratulations for participating. I know I have a good connection on my end. I think you're having some, some connection. But you're asking about a CRM. So I think the thing about, I've been very involved with CRMs, customer relationship management software, my entire career. I think the first software like that built was called Contact Software International, later ACT. I was on the Microsoft Outlook beta test before they even launched it. And I've been in the program for a long time. And, you know, personally, I use Salesforce, but I really use it because I, I used it before I did my probate business. And I kind of just changed everything to make it fit. But here's the thing I would say about CRMs or software or any tool. You want to design the process and then find the tools that work for your process. So I would, the question's not really what CRM you should use. The question is, what data do you need to collect? How do you need to collect it? And then what do you need to do with it? And so I do a lot of merging of data. I import a lot of, my business is a little different. I'm, I'm in a very competitive market in Los Angeles. I'm trying, I'm building a national network of agents. I'm building a national network of attorneys and vendors. And so I'm constantly getting in data and merging it and updating it. Salesforce does that better than anybody and and reports as well. But you think about what you're going to do with the data. You know, are you making phone calls? Are you using email? Are you using texts? What's the activity, mailers? What's the activity you're using and how's the data work with it? So for me, what I like about Salesforce is it can be, I use, I use virtual assistants and they export the data in CSV format, which is kind of a universal language of data, and it can be imported elsewhere. So I use MailChimp for mail, I use a texting program for texts, I print out a, a spreadsheet when I need to make phone calls, and update it in, in Salesforce. So you have to think about your processes before you get into CRM. And, I, and I'd also would say second, that we always want to reinvest money, not spend money. So anytime, you know, like Salesforce costs, I think, three or $400 a year for the software. I didn't use it until I, you know, paid for it out of a closing and reinvested. Until then, you can use a spreadsheet. You can use Google Contacts. They're free. Or your Apple iPhone and sync it to your cloud. They're free. You piece of paper. Fine. So I, I, I would say be careful about using. We always think that we can solve a problem by spending money or buying something. That doesn't solve the problem. It feels good in the short run. It's kind of like eating cookies. Feels good, not good for you. And I would say that this, and that's advice. I, I'm good at giving that advice. I'm not good at keeping that advice, just full disclosure. But I would say CRM, it's really about design the process. You know, for example, I use MailChimp for my mail, but my Salesforce connects to it. I'm with the XP Realty. We get a KV Core. I use that for landing pages and for automated stuff. But that syncs to my MailChimp as well. So it's not the tool, it's how you're using it. What's the process? So design your process and get the tools that you need to make that process work. That's my advice. Okay, thanks so much. Congratulations. And keep report back how you do, okay? Let's, let's keep, I'm sure I can make a prediction. If you go to court regularly looking like you do and you talk to people who are looking to sell real estate, my guess is some will work with you. Just a wild guess. All right, thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Okay, let's see. Next, I got a question from Bud. 
is our introductory trifold type brochure that for a state exec that you could use when introducing the program to PRs or attorneys. So again, I don't have one um, and I'm not using that software yet in my, in my business. So I can't really answer the question from personal experience. I always caution people to are using the tool as your prospecting technique or using it because you're scared to actually do something that's going to generate the business. And so I was talking to Larry about going to meet attorneys. I wouldn't necessarily, you can mail out those flyers to get appointments or on appointment, you can have the flyer. I have a trifold about my services. It's more generic. It's from alltheleads.com. It covers all the services that I offer, but I'm very careful not to pull it out unless I need to point to something on the form because you don't want to be, this, the trifle is not going to get you the business you are. I remember I changed my business years ago. I was in the mortgage business and lost everything. This is back in 2008 and nine. Lost everything. I'd start over again, got, went to real estate. And in the mortgage business, I built up all kinds of marketing materials, pre-appointment package, fancy flyers, fancy image. When I started over again, I really had you know, a lot less budget to work with. And so I remember purposely making a decision. I went in with my notepad, pen, and a nice pen. I think it's important decent business cards and me, but I really wanted the competition to be about me, not about the flyer. So I don't have one, but on exec, on a state exec, it's a good question. It'd be nice to have, again, I would just caution you, make sure you realize that the, if, if flyers could generate the business, they wouldn't need you. If flyers could generate business, Amazon or Google would have all the business in the world because they would, they would psychologically figure out the right flyer and send it out automatically and they'd have you know, uh, people in China printing out millions of flyers and blanking America with, with flyers. The reason why that doesn't work is because at the end of the day, it's about the relationship. So make sure you find a flyer that you use that enhances the relationship, not a substitute for, okay? I appreciate the answer. Uh, yeah, I may be using a trifold as a crutch with probate, but I was just wondering if there was one that existed, apparently not yet. And that's fine. But, if you uh, want you're, one, you're, go right. What's that? If you want one, you can go into Fiverr and, and you can find somebody who'll design them. One of my tricks is a website, Fiverr, F I V E R R. And the idea is like you throw somebody a $5 bill, a Fiverr, but F I V E R R. It's a great place for kind of odd jobs. Mm -hmm. And what I'll do is something like this I might point them to the website and say, you know, and I'd hire two or three people to put together sample trifolds. And for maybe 20 bucks or 30 bucks, you'll get a couple of different, you know, formats of them done for you. Yeah. If you really want to get one created like that, that's what I would, that's what I, I would do. Think you're real, I, I think, I do think you're pretty funny actually, and not bad looking. I'm more hoping the girls find me good looking though. Nothing personal, bud, but. That's uh, fine. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> I wanted to mention a little bit about the having the relationships uh, this morning. Yeah. Most of our business here comes from relationships with attorneys. Uh, but uh, this morning, I, an attorney and I, well, I stood around for an hour and a half while a locksmith opened a gun safe. And once the gun safe was open, the lawyer showed up and he and I popped it open and did an inventory of what was in there. That was interesting. You know, most of the time it's not that much fun, but, but yeah, the relationships are everything. I, my flight Texas of the gun safe is that good. You know, I, <laughs> I'm be kind of fun to play with some guns and see what they got. And yeah, definitely. But I think that's, that's the, the key. And it's not, it's not whether or not the time is well spent. It's what do you have to do to make the time well spent? Yeah. You're already, you're already going to be there. You know, you, you, you're, when you're in those circumstances, 
And if you can make the most of it, there's a chance to be in a relationship with somebody. I think that's where their, their real time is spent. You know, think about any relationship you have, your, your spouse, your kids. For me, at least, the, the real relationship building is not the magic moments, which are great, but it's the ordinary moments that you make magical because you're committed to them. Mm-hmm. So. Good work, Bill. Thanks, Keep man. Up. But thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, I see hand up Lynette Gunther. Lynette, how are you? How can we help you? Let's get you unmuted. Okay, so I have a question. I have a, an attorney friend who asked me if he asked, he didn't ask the question I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask this question. Does anyone know how to find properties that are abandoned by a deceased with no heirs, presumably no heirs, that would effectively go to the state escape? And if they go to the state and these are properties with the state, how are those brokered out? Where, where do those go? Because I'm, I'm thinking the state, well, I don't know, but I'm thinking the state doesn't want to manage a bunch of, you know, single family homes and they liquidate. Right. So I, I'm sure that varies by state and also by county. I can tell you in LA County what the process is, which is that when properties, for whatever reason, abandoned, there's citations or some, the, it's known that the person who passed is out of the country and there's nobody there to take it on. The county has a county attorney, so the, I think it's technically the district attorney, but the attorneys of the county have a department specifically for probate and they will file the probate on behalf of the county of Los Angeles as the petitioner and they will file to be the administrator of the estate. Now, they obviously have to put out you know, publications and disclosures and Sometimes I'm sure a family member will step in and say, hey, you know, that's that's my uncle so-and-so or that's my cousin so-and-so, and I have the, my right to step in and do it. So the county is, a again, every law is different. Every state's different, but there's a prioritization I, I, list. I, well, I, I think so. once they're identified, I, I, I know how to find, I, I know what to look for. So state-administered probate properties, and it doesn't necessarily mean they have no heirs. It does mean that the state is doing the probate administration, however. Is that correct? Right. Okay. And then additionally, just to add one more piece, that in, Cal- in Los Angeles, the brokerage is set up by what's called an RFP, Request for Proposal Process. Now, county, LA County is the largest county in America for probate. So the, we have a lot of these, and they all need to be court confirmed. I think it was five or 10 a month. And so they put out every year or two a contract that you can apply for to compete. The company wins it, is a NASDAQ traded company. And they have a division that just does these here in LA and does a big business of that. Candy Wilson is the name of the company. And they do it at 4%. And everyone is an auction. And then they come in and do court confirmation every single one for 4%. So, you, you know, you have to decide if you want to compete for that business. That's in LA. And I, again, I think you should inquire in accounting you do business and to see what those procedures are. So, so I'm, I'm sure there's a process. I'm sure there's something similar, you know, and, and I'll check. And I'm such a cynic. I'm like, are you sure it doesn't go to the DA's brother? You know, <laughs> yeah. so bad. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I know who I'm the like, guy is. I like, no, 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 no. It's just, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, Lynette, what, like, to I'm that point, a... I, I think to that point, again, not, not to answer your question <laughs> specifically, but to share the process. So I don't know if you subscribe to any probate data. I subscribe to a couple services and I do my own research as well. I have virtual assistants to scrape data. But I analyze the data from time to time to see who the parties are. And you you should look and see who the who the attorneys are that do the most. And I found the county ones popped up the most. And I just double-checked to see. And I, that's how I learned the process was by 
reverse engineering those listings. So I would definitely say it's worth you know getting the data and try to reverse engineer to figure out who those people are and, and then try to compete for that business. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Is that it? Oh, there's more, but thank you. Okay. Not <laughs> that the answer you wanted. Sorry about that, Linda. Thanks. So no, much. no, no. I got I got my oh. answer. I, I just have okay. a bunch of random questions and I, I want to gather before I do it. So okay, thanks, thanks so much. Okay. Other questions that we have here, again, just a quick repeat. My Thursday uh, live stream is probably weekly.com. It's Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then I do another program, getprobate.cash, which is specifically on how to use the advances in probate to help your clients get money to get the right attorney and or keep properties out of foreclosure and such. Normally, Wednesday is 8.30, not tomorrow, but a week from Wednesday, I do that every Wednesday, 8.30. Any other questions? We still got some time left. Or not so i'll go again so right. i i have probate leads i'm considering all the leads i'm i, I want to see what i'm going to do with them before i pay for more is there what what's the company name where are you guys getting your best skip tracing in your data and your most reliable consistent data i don't use skip tracing because i'm not calling petitioners personally so i'm sure somebody in the chat box has an answer or on probate uh, mastery's website can share script. I've seen that question asked and people answer that from time to time. As far as data, I use probatemoney.com, which is, I think, only California in certain counties. I like it because the format of the data, it creates a nice report that I send to clients when they when I'm talking about the, the, the case. And I use foreclosuresdaily.com for regular data. But but what you're asking for is is more the, the, the data that you're going to upload. So you want to be able to download the data in CSV format or XLS format then said to a, a skip tracing company. So probate daily, probates daily does that in the whole caseload every month. Probate money limits you to a certain number of cases, which may or may not be enough for you. If you're going to do the skip tracing, you should find a, a lower price service and do it yourself. All the leads, they present that they do the best skip tracing and the data is the higher quality. I can't say I've, I've checked and I, can, I can't confirm that or argue against it. I've never used their business for phone numbers. Okay. Uh, and Larry says batch skip tracing is pretty good. Okay. Anybody has any input on skip tracing software, skip tracing programs you use or your experience with it, feel free to put it in the chat box and we'll cover it or we can talk about it. Or if you go to the probate mastery website, put some information there. But I do think that's that's an important thing. I, again, I don't call petitioners. My business is strictly through attorneys and then other ben, other professionals in the industry. So I'm not working specific, I don't cold call petitioners. Okay, so this has a question. I have a property under contract with the executor, but the heir is refusing to let us in for inspection. Thoughts on this? David Young, what's up? What's up, man? Where do you yeah. have the property under contract at? Where is it at? It's in uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia, like the outskirts of Metro Atlanta. I know Stone Mountain. I know where it is. My wife went to Emory. So I know, oh, yeah. I know a, little okay. bit, a little bit about Atlanta and Stone Mountain's a big... Yeah, Stone, it's in Stone Mountain. Yeah. So this is a common thing where you know you have a property a contract, which I presume is with an executor or one of the family members, and there's one there's a different family member, oftentimes like there's four brothers, one's maybe a little more professional and files a probate and, and signs the contract to get it listed and wants to sell it. And then there's another brother who um, maybe lived with his parents the whole time, never launched, maybe was taking care of them. They'll always say they were the primary caregiver, where they are or not. That's always, you know, subject to interpretation. But they're in the property. And then oftentimes, in their mind, they're not paying a mortgage. They're not paying rent. All you're going to do is sell the property, which means they have to move and start paying. They have to deal with that. 
and they pay rent. They don't want to do that. So the, in their mind, the easiest solution is not to allow you in the property. So that's a challenge, and, and it's different. You know, in, in L.A., they're not a tenant. They're not a squatter. And I would say with the right legal help, there is a path to get them removed. The other reality is that as an heir, they can be held accountable for the expenses of selling the property, the legal expenses to get them removed, and if there's extra costs like carrying costs, mortgages and taxes and such, that they may not have thought about. So if the case is, is where they're going to get, you know, there's a property that's going to sell, there's a $500,000 estate, and they're going to get a fifth of it, they're going to get $100,000. But if, you have to, if it takes $10,000 in legal fees, that's going to come out of their share, all of it, mm-hmm. as well as any delays. And people don't know that. And so I do think sometimes you can explain that to people and why they should cooperate. But that's the challenge, I would say, David. And the challenge of probate is you get these cases, and the opportunity is if you're better at handling them than the other guy, or the other gal, then you are going to win. And so right. that means learning how to talk to people who, you know, are all types of people, learning how to talk to the most successful, wealthiest probate attorney, perhaps, or investor, and then the poorest of poor, out on his luck, heir, who's, who is scared to death and has never lived outside of his parents' house his whole life. But, you know, if there's four other heirs, they're entitled to the money too. So I'm not passing judgment on it. I'm just saying that's the challenge. And the challenge is the opportunity in probate. And I don't have any particular answers in Georgia where the law is different. I would I definitely urge you to use this as an opportunity. David, are you a uh, real estate agent or are you an investor? Investor. My wife, she's an agent. There you uh, go. So, so my question is, can he stop like the sale of the property? Even no. though it's in, it in, under contract, but he's like, where at first he would lend us in to see the property before we got it under contract. But once we right. got it under contract, and we started getting the guys over there for the due diligence period. He stopped answering the phone and stopped answering the door. Now the, the executive is saying that he wanted to contest the estate, you know, contest it without, you know, stopping the sale of the property. My question is, can he stop the sale of the property even though the executive doesn't sign the contract? Great question. And can can one heir stop to sell the property? And so the answer is going to vary by state. You're in Georgia, I'm in California. And so you need to learn the laws in your state. And then the procedures vary by county. I can say in Los Angeles County, when I presented this, it, it won't stop the sale, but they can slow it down and raise expenses. So for example, if, if they object to the sale, then the court might require court confirmation of the sale where they might otherwise not, which means you have to publicize, which costs hundreds of dollars. You have to file a petition, hundreds of dollars, have a court hearing, attorney's fees for that could be thousands of dollars, court a petition to confirm the sale at the end. But at the end of the day, if you follow those procedures, the, the law in California has been written to create a pathway where they can object, they can state their objections, if they have some legit objections, it goes to court for confirmation, they can buy it if they think it's being sold too cheap, but they can't stop the sale if they're not a majority owner. If the majority of the heirs want to sell the property, there's a pathway with the right legal help to get it sold. Yeah. I don't know the laws in Georgia, it's different. But I would say, again, using this as an opportunity for learning, not this case. And I know you want to solve this case on the phone and I can help you with that. But for everybody on the call, this is an opportunity to learn. I would find attorneys who specialize in evictions because this is a type of eviction. And I also would use this to find the right probate attorney who knows the process. Because I'm telling you, the right probate attorney, they do this all the time. Yeah, because like you say, it's five of them. For, for, for the heir, they want to sell, but he's the only one 
that's inside the property just trying to stop the sale of the property for being sold. It's another reason why he's trying to stop it because it's a six bedroom house and he got like four or five of the rooms rented out where he get like $700 a month for each go. person in the house. Classic. So he, don't, he, he don't want to stop that money train. There's that. There's probably some drugs going on in there. Who knows what else is going on inside yeah. there? No, that's, that's a classic probate case. And again, I think if you learn how to solve this problem, you have a chance to do it over and over and over again. So yeah. I, I would, I don't have the answer for you, but other than to say, I would use this as opportunity, you know, to, to reach out to attorneys who you might, you or your wife might want to interview to hire, to help evict him. There's a term for it. I forget what it's called when they they've been let in with permission but they don't have the right to continue to stay there. And that's what this person is, mm-hmm. uh, at least in California law. And there's a pathway to get them out and you just need to have the right team lined up. And then if there's equity, either they have the money to pay for the attorney's fees or the attorney takes it on contingency or use a probate advance to get the money to pay for the attorney's fees, which is in this case, pretty common. Sometimes yeah, it's also giving them some money in advance to get them out because mm-hmm. you have some compa- you know, it's a human being. And, and even though, I have compassion for the other heirs who are not getting their money because of this guy who's violating right. the law. Mm-hmm. Then they, they're still a human being. And the problem might be they may not know how to get out of the house. They need money to pack stuff up first and last someplace else. And so sometimes a probate advance, if, they're, if there's enough money in this state, half a million dollars, give them $10,000 in advance, will give them some money to, to move yeah. on a little sooner. Yeah, I think it's like like 370000 I think. So he'll probably walk away, walk away with what, probably what, uh, about forty or 50000 Yeah. And so maybe 50000 And if he drags it out, he'll only get forty or thirty-five. But maybe he can get 40000 by getting ten now and 30000 when the property sells. But you can give him some money now to get into action. Mm-hmm. So, again, that, that gets down to you developing the skill of communicating with people, you and or your wife, depending on who's handling that, and then working with right attorneys and getting the team in place that can handle that for you. So, okay. so, so Bill, I have a question about that. So it, it mm-hmm. seems to me like the real estate contract, just standalone real estate contract, basically you're dealing with an at-will tenancy that needs, that that's a problem. So under contract, I mean, you know, I think the tenants come with the property unless something happens prior, not sure, just saying. And it sounds like an eviction. For, I, I think what doesn't the executor administrator have a fiduciary responsibility to go through the due process to have them removed? And if it's if it's a situation where they're like you know house hacking, that's one thing. If they need a social worker and have no way to nowhere to go, it sounds like another. But I I appreciate the situation. I had it recently, and good luck. Yeah, this happens a lot. I, I also, if they have five or six tenants, it might be illegal what they're doing. Right. There, some properties aren't allowed. So, I don't know about Georgia, but in, in L.A., you know, you're allowed to have so many people in a property. And it's because there's health violation laws that, that might be used to get them out as well. So there's a there's a lot of potential there. And, and I think but again, focus more on the developing the tools for the solution than just this one case. And you'll have a business rather than just one transaction. OK. Right. Yep. Got it. Thanks, Dave Young. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Um. Terry Hunter says in Orange County did an eviction. Interesting. After three days, the cops came and escorted the former girlfriend of the deceased to the curb. Locksmith changed the locks. Cops told the evictee not to return. Pretty harsh, but that was the way it worked. Yeah, if you've never been to a lockout before, it can be it can be a confrontational, and they don't play around. Though there are people who challenge the cops, and it can be dangerous. So just be careful. And the attorney outfit handling the eviction claims they have done three hundred thousand plus evictions. In Orange County. I'm not sure who that would be. I know Dennis Block has done a lot. 
the kind of company that does evictions, I find there's two types. There's the, the paper mill, They'll, they do the paperwork, they do it fast, they do it efficiently. And as long as it's no hiccups, it will go through. And then there's other firms that represent tenants when it goes to hearings. And usually those are two different types of eviction attorney services. So I, I would say you wanna find both because once it goes, once the, the paperwork, will, paperwork mill ones just don't do a very good job in court. In my experience, they, they hire, hire people out. They have too many cases to pay attention to. So at that point, you want your client to be able to get a better attorney to actually go to court and represent them. TJ Cannon put it in the chat box. We get our leads from all the leads. We went through a county with more than 50% were already sold. Is a way to jump ahead of the system. Some counties are later getting the data out than others. All the leads sometimes was about three days later. That's why when I was calling petitioners, I, I used other services because they were a little faster on the draw because you want to get them daily or weekly when they're filed to call right away. Properties do come prepackaged. Sometimes people will say the property is sold. It's not really sold. They have in their mind they're going to sell it to this family member or they have in their mind that they, they're selling it to this investor. But if they don't have the letters of authority, then technically they can't. And if there's other heirs, as Lynette said in the other case, they have fiduciary responsibility to the heirs. So one thing is, my experience is, when there's multiple heirs and one guy and they say it's pre-sold, many times it's because he's selling it to his friend on the cheap because he's going to flip it and make money and kind of cheat the heirs out of their share of the profits. And so if you can find with the other heirs and see what they feel about it, you know, I see properties being sold for 350, but it's worth 500, and you know you're entitled to a third of that difference. Would you like to see if I can help you with that? And they just mean that no, people feel powerless sometimes. It's an older brother who's abused them when they're young kids or something. So again, there's a lot of possibilities here. You know, but TJ, I'm not sure what county your your data is in. Obviously, faster data, number one. Number two, people tell you it's sold when it's not sold. That's another thing. Danny says reach out to the attorney, possibly. Yeah, Larry says, the most common squad is a family member. That is the definite truth. I'm, I'm going to the chat box here and looking at questions in case you're wondering. Dylan asks, when you look at the court docket, what type of probate hearing would be most beneficial sitting on? So, Dylan, I'm not sure what county you're in. I might, you know, I, we may have met before and I forgot, or what state you're in. So when I went to court, you know, I had taken Chad's coaching at the prior company, and he challenged us. He said, if you're going to be in probate, why not go and see what your customers go through? And so I went to court. What I discovered in LA was it wasn't the type of hearing so much as the time of day. So in LA County, in the morning, they had the 830 calendar. And this was a calendar with a lot of different items, but mostly they were disposing of approvals of, of petitions or denials of petitions right away or setting hearing dates for another date. And so what was nice about it was so many attorneys were in the room between 830 and 9 and so many petitioners, it was the most congested time of the day for the most people. And again, the more people you talk to, the more money you make, generally. So I went in the mornings, and then I know, learned then that among the things that happened in court, in California court, there was a court confirmation of sale. And that's what we're talking about property. And I found out by going to them that about half the time, the, prop, the property didn't sell then, but was continued to the next date. But now I saw some insight about the property. I saw who the agent was, I saw who the attorneys were. And so I learned that by going there, by looking for the court sales, for me was the best. So Dylan, depends on the state you're in and the county. But my experience was first, see as many as you can. I would, I would kind of learn the whole calendar. Like ideally you want to be able to see probate cases from beginning to end, understand the whole picture. 
and then strategize from there what you want to do and how you can make money. I found my, my way to making money in this business was also not just focusing on listings, but focusing on, I found properties at court confirmation that were good deals and I brought investors in and I learned that process and the investor would buy it and I'd represent them and then they'd flip it and sell it and I would represent them on the sell side as a listing agent there. In fact, I have a $2.75 million industrial property that we're selling and I got them on the acquisition side about six months ago. So that's what I learned by going to court. Um, and then let's see, continuing here with Terry, found that court personnel keep people not involved in the hearings out of the hearing rooms. Interesting. So in LA County, that was true with COVID. It was harder to get in than it is now. They're open to the public legally, so they really can't. But I will say that like everything else, you want to make friends with the people in the courtroom. I know for me, I take notes on my iPad and I would go to the sheriff because you're not allowed to text in the courtroom. And I would go to the sheriff and say, look, it's on silent. And I just take notes. And I showed them the court notes I was reading. And they said, fine, they allowed me to do it. So I don't know if there's a rule that allowed me or not allowed me. But if the sheriff allows me, then he's the one with a gun. I got to stay in the courtroom. That's the rule. So I would definitely say that you always want to make friends with people in the courtroom or, or anywhere. I would give gifts at holiday time. I'd bring candy, seize candy, give out to all the sheriffs at the, at the security, you know, where they check you in with the metal detectors. I would just hand out gifts, Starbucks cards one year, seize candy another year. You know, the more you get the personnel on your side, the, the more benefits you get. Okay, hey, we're, we're coming up to the top of the hour, so I don't go over time here. Again, I'm, I'm not paid by the hour, but I don't want to take it too long. I want to keep it nice and short and effective. Hopefully it was interesting. Today we covered a lot of different topics. We do this every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, and all the other time zones before. This is probably Mastery's alumni call. If you want to learn more about Probate Mastery, go to probatemastery.com. And there's a lot of great free content. They have a great YouTube channel. They have great on all the social media. Facebook Cat does a fantastic job on the social media. If you want to learn, I always tell people you can, you know, Chad gives away more for free than most companies sell. And if you don't have money to start with, follow on for free and then sell something and reinvest in yourself and get the coaching we can afford it. But if you want to expedite things, Sign up for the coaching. Love to have you learn more and be more effective in your business. So it's probatemastery.com. We do this every Tuesday at 12 noon. I'm Bill Gross. I'm the guest host this week. I'll be off the next two weeks, but Chad or somebody else will be here. Chad or somebody better than me, as if that's possible, will be the next two weeks. So thank you guys. Have a great rest of your week. And if I can help any way, you'll see me on the Private Mastery website on Facebook or reach out personally. Thanks so much, everybody.